I wonder what would happen if you became a little bit more like Jesus. What would happen in your home or in your workplace if you became a little bit more like Jesus? What if one of your colleagues became a little bit more like Jesus? What impact would that have? Actually, when you're thinking about your household or your workplace, you might be thinking, I wish my boss or my spouse or my child would become a little bit more like Jesus. Things would be so much better and easier. As we continue in our series, More Like Jesus, you might be here today or watching online and thinking, well, is this series, is this question um, or invite to become more like Jesus just for the Christians in the room? Well, I'm not one of those, so therefore, what relevance is this uh, to me? Well, actually, whether you have a faith or none, or whether you have Christian faith or other faith or, or none at all, it is recognised that the historical figure of Jesus Christ from Nazareth in Israel, whether you view him as a good teacher, a prophet, a miracle worker, a made-up figure of history, or as the Bible states, the Son of God um, come to earth. This historical figure of Jesus Christ is undeniably recognised as being good. His teaching, his ministry, the, the way he lived his life, his radical embrace of people, especially those on the margins of society. All, all, all of his um, teaching, they, they contain not just good things, but great things. The way he lived his life, the, the example he gave, wouldn't just have a good impact, but it would have a great impact. It would have a positive impact on each of us and on society if we became more like him. So let me ask the question again. What would your life be like if you became a little bit more like Jesus? Let's just say 1%. 1 is manageable, repeatable, and can be applied and built upon. 1% more like Jesus. Doing the things he did, living as he lived, loving as he loved, beating with the same kind of heart thinking in a similar way, responding like Jesus. And over these, these coming weeks and months, as we look at Jesus' life, his teaching, his actions and reactions, let's encourage one another to, with, with God's help, to become more like Jesus. Before we unpack today's passage from the Bible together, let's just pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Julia reading it to us. We pray your blessing on it as we uh, explore it together. Help us to know uh, the truth that you want to illuminate for us today so that we don't just have um, a head knowledge experience, but a life-changing encounter with you uh, through scripture. Help us to be more like you as a result of reading it today. Amen. If you can turn back with me uh, to Luke chapter 4, verse 14 to 30, uh, that Julia just read for us. And um, just to put it into context, last week uh, we read in Luke's account of Jesus's, um, Jesus being tested in the wilderness. And we considered, how can we overcome temptation like Jesus did? And this week we see Jesus having clarity as to what he had come to earth to do. And he was sharing that. He, he knew his purpose, his task, and he stuck to what he, what he was called to do, despite the challenge, despite the, um, the disagreement of others. And we're going to unpack this passage, uh, drawing out some key, 
key points and observations, and then consider how we can become more like Jesus from knowing our purpose, our reason for being here. And hopefully as we become more like him, our purpose, our reason, our intent, our our focus will be like his. So let's look at Luke 4, 14 to 15 to begin. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the, the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. So what news was spreading about him? Well, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, and Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, we, we read that Jesus has been teaching in these synagogues around the area about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God coming near. And, and with, within those um, verses in Mark and in Matthew, we see Jesus not just saying the kingdom of God has come near, but a call uh, for people to turn back to God and to believe the good news. This wasn't just a a statement being made. This was an invite into encounter. Jesus was calling people not to just hear the good news, but to believe it and experience it for themselves. To have their lives impacted by God's kingdom breaking into first century Galilee. Jesus taught the good news and by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus brought the good news of God's kingdom into reality. He taught it and he brought it. And because of this, he was becoming known in the area. And and therefore, when he went to his hometown, verse 16, when he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, they were really excited. And on the Sabbath day, verse 16, he, he goes to the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And before I read the verses from 18 to 19... I just want to just want to say this. Uh, these verses are from Isaiah chapter sixty-one. So, if you want to read uh, what Jesus was was reading from, do flick back in your Bibles to Isaiah sixty-one, and you'll see uh, the passage there in full, uh, starting at verse one uh, and, and onwards. And Jesus reads these verses, and then he rolls up the scroll and sits down. But rather than giving just a nice homily. Jesus makes a statement of intent through these verses. He shares his purpose. He shares his reason for being uh, in the area and what God had asked him to come and to do. Quite often these these verses or this passage is referred to as as the Nazareth Manifesto. But unlike the promises and statements made in political manifestos, this leader will deliver on the words he declared. Let's read from verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is basically saying, I am God's chosen one and he has anointed and appointed me to bring his kingdom here on earth. Anointed, uh, the same root word as the uh, same root word in Hebrew as Messiah, uh, empowered and given authority through the Holy Spirit. And he's appointed, he's been sent, given a clear task and purpose. And that purpose 
is the proclamation of good news, proclamation of freedom, recovery, restoration, releasing people and revealing God's favour. Basically to bring about God's purposes, his heart and his perfect rule and reign as it is in heaven here on earth. Jesus says today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today God's spirit is on him. Today his anoint- he is anointed uh, to proclaim the good news. Today he's appointed to be that declarer of good news. And not just a declarer but a demonstrator of God's news. A demonstrator of God's freedom, uh, release, recovery and to reveal the kindness and favour of the God in heaven. Jesus had real clarity over what his purpose was. And that was that God was with him and that he was able to say um, clearly that today the scripture had been fulfilled. The promise had come true now, not just one day, but this day. The people had hoped for the day, but this day, the day had come because Jesus had come. Led by the Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit, fulfilling the promises of God from hundreds of years before. And the reaction of the crowd seems really positive. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. They were amazed at what he was saying. It's a fantastic passage uh, that, that he read from and something that they'd been really yearning for. And, and the question about whether, uh, so isn't this Joseph's son, was either a question of bewilderment. How, how can this same person before us be Joseph's son? Or maybe it was a question formed in celebration. Isn't this Joseph's son? He's our boy. He, he's ours. Uh, he's the local boy from, from Nazareth and he's become famous and he's here with us now. Regardless of the um, intent behind the question, these people were amazed. Yet soon their awe would turn to anger and their amazement would turn to aggression. So we carry on reading in verse 23. Jesus said to them, Surely you'll quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you'll tell me, Do here in your hometown what, um, what we have heard you, that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up and drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. I wonder what caused that shift in the people's minds from awe to anger. Jesus challenges their hearts and their thinking in the questions that he he, uh, asks and the statements he makes. And the two main challenges were... They're consumers rather than contributors. And they were cynical, religiously cynical, rather than faith-filled believers. Jesus must have read what they were thinking. Do hear what you did in Capernaum. They had heard rumours of what Jesus was doing 20 miles away in Capernaum. But what really matters, 
or what their hearts were shown, is that Jesus would perform a miracle or two here in Nazareth. They were ready to consume, consume more teaching, more miracles, the kingdom of heaven here on earth, but let's enjoy it for ourselves here in Nazareth. Let's keep it for ourselves. And Jesus warns them of these things through reminding them of Israel's own history, their own history. Elijah and Elisha, two Old Testament prophets. And Jesus um, highlights two stories, one from 1 Kings 17 and the other from 2 Kings 5. The widow of Zarephath and the story of, of Naaman the Syrian. And through these stories, there are two things that Jesus reveals. Firstly, he reveals God's heart is for all people, not just for the Jews. The powerful and beautiful kingdom of heaven coming into reality on earth is for all people to experience and to encounter. Not just the Israelites, not just those in that synagogue in Nazareth. Jesus knew he had come for all people and for all people to know that the kingdom of God was here. Secondly, in both these accounts with, with Elijah and Elisha, the widow of Zarephath and Nahum the, uh, Naaman the Syrian, there's an expression of the need for active faith, i.e. faith that leads to action. There isn't room for religious cynicism or any sense of entitlement through association. I'm part of that people, so therefore I'm entitled to the blessing. But there's an invite and requirement for people to participate through faith in the activity of God bringing heaven to earth. Jesus was clear on what his purpose was. It was to bring God's kingdom to earth. Jesus was clear who it was for. All people. And the people who heard those words uh, from his lips that day didn't like the challenge at all. And they became furious and tried to throw him down, which is the um, original translation of uh, taking him, uh, throw him off a cliff. And, and it's recognised that that's uh, the first stage of, of stoning someone. Uh, you push them down uh, and, and then stone them. They, they wanted to get rid of him. They were so riled by his challenge, challenging their consumerism, challenging their cynicism. Yet Jesus... Uh, in, in verse 30, we, we read, Jesus miraculously manages to get through the crowd safely and went on his way in order to fulfill the purposes of why he came. So Jesus was clear on his purpose. And we as a church are aiming, planning, hoping, praying to become more like Jesus. I wonder if you and I are clear on our purposes if we're aiming to become more like Jesus, then maybe we need to get our purposes in line with his. Back in January, I spoke about this and how that we're not here on earth just to maintain or to survive, but to be alive with the love and the power of Jesus and, th and not just survive, but thrive on adventures with him and his Holy Spirit. The purposes that Jesus sets out in this manifesto need to be adopted as our purposes. To be people like Jesus and by the Holy Spirit's power, people who proclaim good news, announce freedom, bring healing, reveal the kindness and the heart of God and his power to bring release to those who are entrapped. 
And as we become more like Jesus, the kingdom bringing purposes of Jesus will become the focus of our lives as well. Jesus, after he had read the scripture, used the word today. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And we definitely need to see Jesus' kingdom come today. On the screen, you'll see some statistics that just give a brief flavour of today. Not a complete picture, but a flavour. Generation Z, people currently aged between 9 and 25, which includes children, teens and young adults born between 1997 and 2012. In a survey done in 2019, highlighted that 9 out of 10 young Brits Gen Zs, think their lives are meaningless. In this same generation and the one before, um, there's, there are higher rates of anxiety, depression and attachment disorders caused by, among other things, broken parental relationships. In 2020, 5,000 people, mainly men, especially from age 41 to 50, committed suicide. Great Britain were positioned third from bottom in a world survey in 2019, exploring a sense of meaning, purpose and happiness. They were ranked second from bottom in terms of gaining happiness from making a meaningful contribution to other people. Loneliness is on the increase, despite having an increase of connectivity. One in five people between 2020 and 2021, we're living in financial poverty or struggling to make ends meet in the UK. It's estimated that this will become more like one in four following the end of furlough schemes and the rising costs of living. This is an example of today. And you, will, you and I will have other examples that we could give that describe the clear need for God's kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven today. There is need all around us, brokenness, pain, oppression, and, and, and Jesus invites us and he calls us to become more like him and to become part of the solution, as so many are already being. To do what he did and to bring heaven to earth through our prayers and actions, speaking good news, speaking words of life, of freedom, release, healing, restoration, revealing the favourable heart, the kind heart of God. Today, this is part of our purpose here on earth. And today we have some choices to make. To decide not to just be consumers of God's goodness within the church or within our own lives, but to be contributors to God's kingdom with all people, for all people, on earth as it is in heaven. Today we need to decide not to be religiously cynical and limit the good news of Jesus only to a message of personal salvation, but to become people of active faith that see kingdom life bursting forth through the Holy Spirit's anointing and empowering on us. How do we do this? How do we start? I want to just suggest three decisions that we can make as we respond to God's word this morning. First one is, I choose to be a believer in the kingdom ministry of Jesus today. 
to, to read the words of scripture and know that God is still doing and wanting to do these things today. So I choose to be a believer in the kingdom ministry of Jesus today. And to find my purpose in that. Second decision. I choose to be a contributor to bringing kingdom life in my home, my street, my work and the places I go. And I will follow the Holy Spirit's leading and enabling to do this. So I choose to be a believer. I choose to be a contributor. And the third one is, is maybe the most important decision because we cannot do any of the above in a lasting, impacting way without doing it Jesus' way. And Jesus' way was Holy Spirit enabled, Word and Spirit instructed. So the third decision, I choose to step closer to Jesus. Because I know that when I step further in, I, I will become more like him, discovering fresh purpose from him. And he will send me further out into building his kingdom. Three decisions that will help us today find fresh purpose and to, to become a little bit more like Jesus, to choose to believe, to choose to be a contributor and to choose to step closer to Jesus and become more like him as we do so. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, you are holy and powerful, mighty and good. And we pray, God, let your kingdom, your purposes, your perfect rule, your perfect reign come on earth as it is in heaven. As Jesus started it, we choose to join in with it today and tomorrow. Make us more like Jesus, Lord, and empower us by your spirit to do what Jesus did. Amen.